Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Doug, I was all excited for you. You emailed me about the Black Mountain Halloween extravaganza, extravaganza, where they shut down the roads. Your daughter is approaching the age when it gets to be fun. I have because I, when I told Aaron that uh, that she was she was doing Halloween and, and all this, like we pulled up the pictures of when Holden was around that age, and it was like the first time he was really in a costume and just barely knew what was going on. Yeah, and it was a fun one. So I was all excited for you, and then. <sighs> I got an email from you that morning saying you were too sick to even do the podcast. That's right. I woke up Halloween morning just feeling totally knocked out. That's cold came over me. I, you know, I think I'm, I, we, I guess we've talked about this a couple times with kids, but I've gotten sicker than I have in the past couple of years than I have in the last decade. <laughs> I'm like, like knock me out sick. Every time I get sick, I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't had a cold like this ever <laughs> you know? but this is like the third time i've said that you know it seems right. like i'm just sick all the time yeah you, you've been getting some bad colds yeah thankfully it's just and like no viruses it's just been colds but mm-hmm. man, i don't know what it is but yeah but so halloween i i did rally enough to kind of zombie walk my way uh down the street with 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 eliza and katie mm-hmm. um on halloween night so i did i did get to to experience that a little bit she was really excited she was a butterfly and and she just all day she's running around saying halloween butterfly, fly <laughs> yeah. you know and um <laughs> just like Aww. she didn't really know what was happening and the funny thing is we got all dressed up at the house and we like uh katie was a butterfly as well and you know we kind of played around i was a butterfly catcher oh um, nice <laughs> um not vegan but, <laughs> well you gotta study them so the, i had a shirt that said easily distracted by butterflies so that was okay. kind of funny <laughs> uh, anyway um yeah so we were you know we were playing around and then we were about to go and she's like okay and she takes off her her like outfit and she's like all done <laughs> she didn't realize that like the whole point was to go and be with everybody else when we got downtown there were all these like you know ghosts and witches and stuff and she was totally freaked out for the first like 15 or 20 minutes oh my gosh but then she loved it and uh, <laughs> my my favorite thing was uh, uh, sorry I quit telling dad stories. No, it's all right. Um, she we didn't have like a pumpkin for her to get candy in or anything like that, and I purposely didn't really talk about the candy at all. But she noticed that all the kids were like lining up in front of the houses and kind of you know walking up and that kind of thing. And and she it didn't occur to her what they were doing, so she just really really liked getting in line, and she'd walk up. And she'd smile, and then she'd turn around and walk away. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and that was it. So it was, that was pretty cute. Yeah. That is cute. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Good. Yeah. How was your Halloween? You, you turned me down. I, I offered you guys to come out and join us, but you turned me down. I know. Well, I think I misled you into thinking we had nothing to do because I said I'm you not going to dress yeah. up because no one's going to come to our house. But what I didn't say was we're going somewhere else because no one's going to come here. But then, then it occurred to me that I should have a costume because you had asked me what I was being. That's that's how that that's came right. up. Yep. And I thought, wait a minute, I'm going to our old neighborhood, which is a great place for trick or treating, good to catch up with old friends. Went yeah. to a little party there, and uh, I, I had no costume planned. But then you convinced me that I needed to not not be that guy who has no costume at the party. That's right. And I ran out, and I was that guy then who ran out to the Halloween store <laughs> on the last day, uh-huh. and uh, picked up a a cat noir costume which is the, the counterpart superhero of ladybug which my daughter was and uh, it's like this netflix superhero um yeah it's a good it's a good show i like it much better than like the barbie and all that kind of stuff so 
that uh, she was that. And so I, so I, we have this running joke where I like always tell her that I want her to marry me, and she'll she'll say no, and you know this sort of thing. <laughs> so this this cat noir character is kind of the like pseudo boyfriend of the superhero ladybug. So I kept telling her I was going to be this character, and as a joke, and then she kept saying no, no, you can't be that. And then on the last day, I said, hey, actually, maybe I will do that. That seems like a great idea. And so I went and did it, and I surprised her. I put the costume on. Uh, I, it was not a real costume. I sort of assembled it from different wigs and things at the at the Halloween store. And I turned around and showed her, and she almost started crying. She was right on the verge of, like, <laughs> I saw her face, her, her mouth turned down. She was ready to cry. Oh, no. And she said, Daddy, no. And then I, <laughs> and then I said, we don't have to do the boyfriend-girlfriend thing. It was just a... It's just a we're just gonna be partners in crime or in saving saving the world from crime so <laughs> it was it was i don't know i was all excited for her I really like i i don't know i i went i was just excited to have found this out this is the perfect thing she's gonna be so happy and uh she was not for a few seconds <laughs> not that no not not at all but it was all right i had a costume i was not the guy at the party without one so yeah you know, did anybody understand who the costume was very few people Almost no one even recognized her costume, which was a little surprising to me. Apparently, she went. She did to the school. They have a little Halloween parade, and there, a lot of the older kids, like the third, fourth, fifth, sixth graders, they knew who this character was. Oh. But uh, you know, that's what that's because they watch Netflix all the time. I'm sure. Yeah. So yeah, very few adults knew what this was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, but I anyway. think you 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 told me what it was, and I had to look it up. Yeah, they, uh... just a just a Netflix <coughs> Netflix made show. I think, but, but uh, so yeah, good time. Get uh, every both kids had a good time. They really did, yeah. They collected a lot of candy, of course. And you know, it's probably worth mentioning since people probably are curious how do vegan kids do Halloween. Yeah. Um, it has, like everything else, you'd be surprised at how easy it actually is, and they get buckets full of candy, and you'd also be surprised at how much candy is not vegan. Like the vast majority, eighty-five percent of it probably is not vegan. Like anything with chocolate, of course, but any Tootsie Rolls. Uh, Skittles, anything Jolly Rancher, uh, uh, whatever Starburst, those really good things. They're not vegan. Oh, really? No, I never knew that. No, I don't not. eat them ever, but it kind of bums me out a little bit. Yeah, there's so much stuff that, like, if if they put any effort into it all to not make vegan, I'm sure they could easily do it, but right, they don't. So, uh, candy corn not vegan, of course. Because of something, eggs or something. So anyway, it's almost all not vegan. So the only stuff they can have is the really bad candy that it, no one wants, like Smarties and <laughs> bottle caps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know about the bottle caps. I just said, oh, and none of the stuff has ingredients on it because it's all the fun size. Right. And right. so just you don't have, you don't know the ingredients. Uh, I assume the bottle caps were like Smarties and are not 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 non-vegan. Um, yeah. So it's like it's stuff like that, and it's just it's lollipops, but not the Tootsie Roll pops. Uh, it's just the worst candy. The stuff that would fall to the bottom and never be touched when I was a kid. <laughs> and they eat all that stuff all night long, and they love it, and that's it. And then the next day, their their non vegan stuff just sits there, and then eventually we you know take it to the dentist who buys it back or whatever, um, or the throw it out. Buys or give it back. Well, not doesn't buy it back. He buys it from you. Uh, yeah, it's like some sort of, you know, teeth thing. That's interesting. Yeah, it's not. They don't pay very much. Yeah, so they don't. They <laughs> not don't. It's not even like a, not even a thing for your kids. No, it it really isn't. It's and it's surprising. I, I can't think of like the first time this started happening. I just because it's been since since they were old enough to remember this has been how it is. So it's not like one year we said sorry kids. This year we're taking away all the candy. Mm-hmm. 
uh, it's just it's just kind of what Halloween has always been. And right. in a way, it almost makes me feel bad. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're missing out on all like the good stuff. But then I just think how like for oh, two weeks straight when I was a kid, I would just eat the candy that I got, and it just is terrible. I mean, I, you know, two weeks isn't, yeah. doesn't ruin your health, but it's just not good. It's, even if it doesn't yeah. ruin your health, it at least sets you on the wrong course and, and right. gets develops your sweet tooth. So, yeah, they eat it that night, and they they pretty much don't eat candy. Maybe they eat one piece per day for the next week or something, but then they forget that they even have it. They just it's it's really interesting how it works out. Huh. So that's cool. You have I'm kind of just hoping you. Eliza never realizes that there's candy involved in Halloween. <laughs> just keeps like smiling. <laughs> she just keeps <laughs> walking up and then turning around. <laughs> That would be nice if that's all it was. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, Halloween. That's Halloween. It's come and gone. Come and gone. Yeah. Uh, What else? Anything else new, Doug, with you before we get to our topic today? Uh, You know, nothing. I went camping last weekend. That was fun. That's good. Went uh, with just Katie, and it rained, and it was pretty cold all weekend, but we made the most of it and had a really nice time, so it was good. Mm Mm-hmm. Good. Excellent. Yeah. I have so our topic today is going to be about habits, sort of, kind of habits, hobbies, really, hobbies, but but related to habits in in a way. Um, and I have been so I don't always listen to the Ritual podcast. I love Ritual and I love his guests and I love you know I like the podcast idea, of course. But I just I am not someone. My, the long podcast format does not fit my lifestyle, as I've said before. Uh, I don't have long drives. When I do drive somewhere, it takes ten minutes, and almost always I'm with the family or something. So I'm just not going to really get into a podcast. Uh, I haven't been running that far, and when I do, I don't wear headphones because of the bears now. So it's just like, I just don't have the time to listen to long podcasts. So I, so I rarely find myself actually listening to Rich's podcasts, although I download them all because I see them and I'm like, oh, I'm going to listen to that one when I get a chance. But I listened to the most recent one, um, which was James Clear. Do you know him, Doug? Or do you know of him? I do not. No, I don't. He is a habits guy. He's been around since the beginning. Like I, I remember in the early years of No Meat Athlete, my sister would send me his blog posts, or I'd see links to his blog posts. And he's like a habits guy. He's kind of like a Leo Babalta uh, mm-hmm. without the Zen side, just okay. sort of practical habits. I never quite got his blog because it, it was like Zen habits. It was minimal and no real lot of design, and, but without this intriguing Zen component. So I just never quite got into it, never really got it. But his episode with Rich Roll is all about habits. James has written a new book called uh, – actually, I don't know, but it's about habits. Um, so the episode was two hours and 20 minutes long, and they just talk about habits – and it's a lot of the things we have talked about before and the ideas and the start small and the make your habits, you know, good habits visible, make the cues or triggers visible um, and all that stuff. But anyway, I just found it really inspiring. So I would recommend if people, anyone like me who, who likes Rich Roll's podcast, um, but for some reason doesn't listen to all the episodes, that is a good one to go check out. Totally worth it. Uh, so I enjoyed that. And, you know, we talked about a few weeks ago how we were both kind of feeling a little motivated and i hope Doug, that you're not uh, that the sickness hasn't ruined that for you because that that has ruined motivation for me before the getting sick and it kind of puts me off track with a lot of things yeah I, anyway. I have i have some i have some thoughts on that but maybe i'll yeah. hold off on that <laughs> yeah okay. um, um, anyway go ahead anyway so so yes been been very motivated and that uh for me that podcast just came kind of at the right time and i've been doing just a lot of stuff i've been doing the muay thai classes i mentioned before which I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago, but uh, I don't think I got I mentioned that my ribs got all messed up from it. The very first class, I I think I talked about this on our Q and A with the with the academy, but I just somehow I, I didn't know how to hold the pads properly, and I drove my fist into my or got kicked, and then my fist went into my ribs, and it 
it still hurts three weeks or two and a half weeks later or something hmm. um still hurting me but i have been going nonetheless and it's getting better for sure but i have just been loving it i've been going almost every day and i feel like the fitness habit i, I thought back to the times when i get this real motivation and it seems like all the habits are kind of falling into place automatically um it's kind of always anchored by a new fitness thing before it was going to the gym weightlifting and just i don't know it's just it's working really well so i'm quite excited about that um but i don't know if it's a habit or a hobby so that's that kind of is the jumping off point to get into yeah where we are today by the way though i did i hit a low point that kind of got me to start really thinking about the doing something else was i in FIFA, as I mentioned, FIFA 19, FIFA 18, FIFA 19, I, my club, my ultimate team, got into the top 100 leaderboard. I, I showed up on the leaderboard of all the, all the Nintendo what? Switch players. I got to, like, number 67, and oh, I was wow. happy. And then I was like, wait a minute, what am I doing? And that's when I said, <laughs> it's time to start doing stuff. So then I started just saying, I'm not going to do that anymore, and I'm going to be really into all this other stuff. So, so you that, quit FIFA? I have not quit FIFA, but I have quit... Uh, I've quit making it a priority. I've made other things a priority over FIFA. I can, I can, uh, I'll support that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that is that. That's, that's the updates before we get to the episode. I have, before we get, uh, this is actually a good time to transition into the episode, but I'm going to throw, I'm going to derail things a little bit. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I was reading about this guy who ran a hundred miles on, a cruise ship circling around like the track on a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. And that a good idea. And it it made me th- <laughs> it made me think about you're going on the vegan cruise soon <laughs> at some point, and right. you've been talking about doing a hundred miler and having a fast one, and this would be like the perfect <laughs> yeah. place to have a fast hundred miler. Like, fast totally and flat. flat. Yeah, you're right. And and I always wanted kind of a road hot one. It would be, probably be hot. Yep. Yep. It'd be like bad water. I think it'd be but in the water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <But> it, <laughs> that's pretty good, Matt. That was good. Um, sounds uh, like a horrible idea. Yeah. I mean, I think it was like two tenths of a mile around the boat. Or oh, something my God. Like that. I mean, it's like the, the stats were just absurd of how many laps he had to do. And at one point, they have to clean the track. So he had like an hour and a half break where in the middle of the night where they kicked him off. And then he went back on. But Oh, my God. Well, I mean, you can... At least on the cruise ship I have gone on recently with the vegan cruise, you there's like pool chairs and stuff in the way. Like you couldn't, you people would be in your way the entire time. <laughs> it would be awful. It'd be really, really bad. Uh, this reminds me, Doug. Surely you know about the thirty one hundred, right? Thirty one hundred. The thirty one hundred. No, the self transcendence thirty one hundred mile race. I don't know about this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know where I heard of it. It might have been Rich Roll, actually. I think somehow I was looking at a Rich Roll email, and he mentioned one guest, and then he mentioned this. Um, yes, it is. It's He's had some running guests on who talk about the spirituality of running, and I, uh-huh. those are episodes that I've downloaded to listen to in the future, but I haven't yet. Um, but one of them mentions the 3,100. It's a 3,100-mile race. Like 3,100 miles. Yes. Takes place from June to August. Oh, self transcendence. Okay, sorry. It's five thousand six hundred forty-nine laps of one extended city block in Jamaica. Oh, Queens. I have heard of this. I have heard of this. Yeah, keep going. So anyway, so it's it's a. I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. It's point five five miles long. Uh-huh. So I guess they do it close to six thousand times. That and, is so <laughs> absurd. Yeah, and it takes months and months, and it's like you know you look at the that, there's a documentary about it. I think it's called the thirty one hundred. And uh, 
I just watched the trailer of it, and it's just you know, it's just this handful of people. I don't know, maybe eighty people. I could be way off on that, but it, you know, it's not a, it's not a big thing. There's there's no, you know, hoopla over it. It's just uh-huh. they're just doing it. That self transcendence is the perfect name because I mean they're just doing it to do it, uh-huh. and it takes months. And they they live their lives in between it. I think sometimes like they get haircuts, and you have to right because it takes months. So yeah, yeah, they For, do like stuff. The, yeah, the, they, yeah, like forty seven days are the winners. 44 days. That's and I guess you go home and sleep in your bed or stay in your hotel or whatever. I, like, I don't think you're camping or anything like that. That's so wild. But it's just like, I mean, it just must take so much mental strength to do it. Because yeah. you just must, I mean, it's <laughs> just so long. It's not like <laughs> running across the country where you get a whole new thing every day. Right. Which is probably about the same distance. Uh-huh. Running across the country sounds so much better than that. Yeah. To what? me. What in the world? Yeah, I know. Can you imagine being like, uh, like the store owner of a little shop on that oh on God. that block and just watching these people run by for fifty days straight? Yeah, but if you're selling Gatorade or something, then you that's true. Like it. That could be good. Get a lot Man, of foot traffic. This is so wild. <clears throat> anyway, I think so. I kind of think Nomad Athletes should have like a a presence a tent? there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, great idea. We could, we could, I'll do. I'll run it, and you can like just come out and support me. Crew, for, yeah, be there for, for two months, fifty days. Yeah, waving, no waving every time you come by. Doug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sounds great. We can have some live podcasts. Yeah, be good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's the thirty-one hundred. I have not watched the movie, but you can check out the trailer for it. And all right, let's get to our topic, Doug. Which I don't <laughs> think is going to be that long of an episode because we talked a long time anyway. But uh, this was an article I sent you. I found it. I don't pay attention that much to articles and things. Somehow this one came into my email, actually from a marketing guy who I who I follow, and he he sent this, said it was good. So uh, it's by a guy named, I believe it's Tim Wu. Is that right? Sounds uh, sorry. right. Should have been prepared. Uh, yes, Tim Wu. There, it's a New York Times article, and it is called "In Praise of Mediocrity." And the idea behind the article, something about it, spoke to me enough to send it to you and say, "Hey, we should do an episode about this." Um, is he's he's basically arguing for hobbies, advocating for hobbies, and the subtitle of the article is that the pursuit of excellence has infiltrated and corrupted the world of leisure. And this one really spoke to me. Uh, what he talked about a lot is that we kind of don't have hobbies anymore. It's sort of been this disappearance of hobbies in this new world that has shifted. And I don't know if it's been a a gradual. Uh, disappearance since the you know 50s or 70s or over a long period of time, or if it's been something that that really just became hastened when when social media happened. And I kind of think it's the latter. That'd be my guess, uh, just because social media seems actually so tied into his arguments. Um, and so you know he's basically saying we don't have things anymore that we do just because they're fun. It's kind of like what he says. One thing that he really likes is that he talks about the population kind of being divided between these semi-pro hobbyists and then people who don't do anything so people who are either really into their thing and they're so into it that they're kind of trying to it's like it's like their life and it's in some way their work uh it's their identity and you know like like me and running and being vegan right like that turned into work Mm -hmm. and and i it just became a huge part of my life but i don't consider it really a hobby anymore and in fact maybe has been detrimental to the hobby of running for me right maybe maybe that might be related to why I don't do that much running. I mean, you could argue not because you haven't had that problem. Uh, but anyway, um, but you certainly see a lot of people who don't do anything. 
And what his what he argues, I think, is that people a lot of people don't do anything because we see so many normal people now really, really excelling at the few things that, you know, or a few people really, really excelling at things that they're super into. And there's this huge fear of failure. And we kind of don't do things because we're afraid we're not going to be good at them or because we have discovered that we're not good at them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rather than just doing things because we enjoy it, which is really what a hobby is. Uh, so I don't know that, that it really spoke to me. I've, I, like I said, I've felt my hobbies, noticed my hobbies disappear over the past decade and only in the past year to two years through some effort, through a deliberate thing of saying, I'm going to try to start doing things. Uh, have I started to pick things up again? And, uh, and I'm really glad I have, and I'm currently really happy with things, happy with life, probably because of having new hobbies. So that I think is why, is why I totally get it. But it, I, I really do have the thing where I, even with things like like the Muay Thai thing, I, I get into it, I start doing it, it's all I can think about for a little while, and then the thought hits me and it says, wait a minute, almost certainly I am not going to become a professional Muay Thai fighter. <laughs> and I don't really even want to do that. Right? If you watch that stuff, it looks looks awful. I don't. I have no interest in the UFC kind of thing. Right. Um, and and then I'm like, well, then why am I doing? Well, it would be like, great really, for the brand, man. You should really go after. It that. would be good. That's what we, that's what we should do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and then I say, why am I doing it then? And I and I can't ever really come up with the answer. I mean, because it makes me happy is kind of what I have right now right. because it's getting me in shape. So I, I can I can point to these other things, but I, I don't really for the enjoyment of it. That is that is a hard answer for me to say. I don't know why. I just like I I have trouble doing things just for the enjoyment when there's no potential pot of gold at the end of the rainbow if I keep going with it. Yeah. Well, I see. I think this is super interesting for a couple of reasons. Um, one is because I don't know that you know this. I don't. Maybe this is naive or self-centered or something but i don't know that i really have this problem as much as as much as he's he talks about um in the in the article he's like you know one one thing he says is that um you know no one paints anymore no one picks up watercolors and just paints anymore and and just for the joy of painting in watercolors right they they want to you know get an art gallery or sell their painting or something like that yep or start Um, doing social media with their art start doing social media with their art but I wonder, so, so part of me wonders if, if everyone was like that before, they just didn't have the resources, they didn't have the internet and YouTube and um, social media to, to, as a platform to kind of allow them to go semi-pro, right? Like if people, you know, because I, I just can't imagine that that many people were painting and not trying to get better at it, right? Like painting a, a, some flowers and not thinking you know, gosh, maybe if I come back and do this again tomorrow and work on these little things, I'm going to be better at painting those flowers. And I'll keep working on that and try to make the best paintings that I can. Maybe they didn't have the resources, the ability to then put it on online and try to sell it on Etsy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, they were still probably trying to get as good as they can, right? So you're saying you're saying it's I'm... more visible now when people take it to a new level? Yeah, I'm saying nothing has changed. It's just, everyone was always like this. It's just more visible now because we have the resources and the ability to do it. Okay, so I I think I see what you're saying as far as like people. 
as far as the semi-pro hobbyist type, there always were people who were that motivated, wanted to become that. Mm-hmm. What I think the article is getting at, though, is that because social media has made that now so visible, the people who do that, and made it seem so attainable for anyone, that now there's this fear of failure thing that happens that prevents people from getting into it at all because they they're afraid that they're going to do it and be bad at it or they find themselves bad at it in the beginning and they say wait a minute i'm not like this person my friend or whoever i'm i see on my facebook feed that does this or my instagram uh and then they decide not to get into it at all because they realize that they think that's not for them and so i think based on what you're saying is that is that i think there are the same amount of semi-pro hobbyists as there used to be or or at least people acting as if they were um but now there are many fewer people who just get into it as a hobby, who just do it because they enjoy it. Well, that's kind of what I'm saying. Um, but part of what I, part of, I guess I guess the the difference here is that, and I also see what you're saying, and I think I'm going to change my mind a little bit. But but I, I guess what I was trying to say was that like, you know, if if I would wanted to be a painter, um, in you know back in the day, and I wanted to get better at it, I'd go to the library and rent a or check out a book or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe do that. But I didn't have access to YouTube channels that were teaching me how to paint. I didn't have access to a bunch of Instagram accounts that were, you know, that were inspiring me or, um, you know, I was I was kind of learning off of. You mm-hmm. didn't have any of that stuff. So you just kind of got better on your own. But you always had this pursuit of getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, you just, no one noticed it because you didn't have the ability to really share your work and um, and you, your resources for educational resources were somewhat limited. Mm-hmm. Right. But now we have all these resources. We have all these people that are teaching us how to do everything in literally anything online. Yep. Um, and, and then we can, you know, then we can show off our work when we get done with it. Yeah. So, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that like um, that, I don't know if there were, there were more or just as many semi-pros, but there were just as many people trying to be semi-pro. They just didn't know it. You know, they just didn't call it that because what was yes. semi-pro back then, you know? Yeah, I agree. But but I like what you, I really like what you're saying about the fear of failure. And I think that, so this is something I'm dealing with right now is um, I, I liked, I really like, like woodworking. I really like building. I built some bookshelves and cabinets and things in our house. And, and what, one thing I really want to do in my new office is build this, it's called a live edge table. So basically you take like a slab of wood, like a, mm-hmm. like a cut from a tree slab with like bark on the either side and turn that into tables. I'm sure you've seen coffee tables and stuff like that. Um, I want to build like a, a table like that. And I've never done it before. And I've been watching some, YouTube stuff and doing a bunch of research on it and um, and it's super intimidating and I don't think it's going to be that hard but I don't have all the same tools that they have and mm-hmm. and they just you know they they just kind of gloss over something that I have to spend hours researching on just one little part you know that you know that I've never done before never even heard of before you know I'm taking all these notes like doing all these things and I'm like can I actually do it? Whereas if I didn't have all those things and I had just checked out a book or something like that, or just gotten the slab of wood and just played around with it, right? you know, it, it might not be as good as it will be after doing all this research, but I bet I still would have been able to do it. And, 
Um, and it still would have been something I'm proud of and fun, right. a good experience. Um, yeah. But now, now, I, now it's like it's so intimidating that I keep questioning whether I should even bother doing it or not. Yep. Agreed. Sort of uh, analysis paralysis a little bit. Yeah. 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 I have a feeling about uh, about the YouTube channel, right? We keep talking about starting a YouTube thing, and yeah. that that has seemed to me as something we'd be good at and that we'd do a good job with, but it just has become this overwhelming thing. And partly that's from looking around and seeing what other people do, and it's like, wow, I, I don't think we can do that, or that's going to take a whole lot of time and be really hard, or <laughs> there's so many different pieces of it that you need to learn how to do. And uh, yeah, but I guess that's the difference. That's not really as a hobby. That's kind of as part of a business. But I, I have, I'd like to start one on a, on a personal basis as well. So, um, yeah, totally get that. That that makes a lot of sense. That that there's way more information now and way more people to look at and say, I probably am not going to be as good as they are. At least not at first. Uh, and that's that's different than it used to be for sure. But I think you're right, Doug. That you you are not someone who. I would say is a is a good example of someone who doesn't have hobbies. Uh, I don't you know I don't know who the article is really for. I'm guessing it's more it's in the New York Times. It's probably more aimed at the the corporate twenty something thirty something go getter yeah. day job or I don't know. I mean probably more that than someone like you who who for example takes up disc golf, which I know we're not going to talk about anymore, but <laughs> we are. Uh, that's a perfect um, example. Like that that to me is a perfect hobby. Right? I don't think you have aspirations of getting on that tour or whatever it is they no, have no um or like or the or or my band you know right um you know we practice once a week and and i'd love that we have a couple gigs now and then but like we're not trying mm-hmm. to record an album we're not trying to go on tour or anything yeah. like that you yeah know? i like that and i like that even better actually i like disc golf too because we talked about last time about is it actually a sport or not but other than the fact that it has has you walking and moving around, which would make it for an older person a, a you know decent thing to be doing, decent activity, but I don't think it doesn't have a side effect, a side benefit for you of increased fitness, right? No. So there's really no it's benefit to it. Probably decreasing than... my fitness because I probably <laughs> go for a run. <laughs> and do you, do you carry a beer around when you when you drink when you play a game? Uh, well, like every other no like no comment golf? no comment okay because well, ball golf we do that sometimes well. We're in we're in city parks, but you know. Okay, so you wouldn't. Do I'm that. definitely have a I definitely have a, a coffee mug that um, you know, <laughs> okay. have coffee in okay. it. <laughs> I thought yeah, I told you I drive past this disc golf area, and I saw a guy there yesterday. In fact, uh, with a can, but it covered by a koozie. And I wondered if <laughs> if they would do that in a city park. Would they dare do that? But I guess they do. Yeah. Or it could have been something else. Could have been uh, what's that French word for that bubbly water? Lacroix. Like? Yeah, Lacroix. 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 <laughs> Uh, anyway, so I think I think that's both of those are perfect examples because other than whatever benefit you get from having fun or feeling good while you do the activity, there's not any real long-term thing that will come from it that is good, right? I mean, friendships with the people that you do right. it with, of course. Yeah. But those that I would lump that into the same just enjoyment factor. So, those are great examples and uh, you know, Totally good, valid evidence that you are not one of the people who don't have any hobbies. Um, so I think that's I think that is a really good thing. But so he says he gives the example of like, you can't just be a jogger anymore; mm-hmm. uh, you have to be a marathoner. And this kind of, to your point, is the fact because you see everyone posting about their marathons, and now not even have to be a marathoner, right? You need to do ultra marathons. So we see people doing that. So we can't just be satisfied with 
the one thing. I don't know that's a bad thing though, right? Like I think it's kind of cool that you find yourself motivated. If you don't want to run a marathon or you truly don't think it's for you, but you're doing it because someone else did it, right? then obviously that's not good. But if now there's all this increased visibility around the idea of running that distance or way, way further, uh, then it's probably good that it's not enough for most people to just be a jogger anymore. Yeah. I guess the, the, the downside is if it keeps you from running, right? right? Exactly. If, and that's his, that was his point. Because you say, if I'm not going to do that, then I'm not going to be a runner. Then I'm uh-huh. not going to go for yeah. my three-mile jog a couple times if, a week at all. If uploading your runs to Strava is, is a, an embarrassing thing or something that actually keeps you from running, then that's then that means that it's it's bad. But if uploading your runs to Strava is a way to like kind of be competitive with yourself and with other people a little bit, I don't, you know, I don't know that that is a bad thing. Right. Right. Um, yes. But so, so, so what, what about with like Muay Thai? Is that what's called? Mm-hmm. With, with Muay Thai for you and, you know, I'm sure, and see, this is, this is like, is it bad to want to get better and i mean you know in this golf no of course i want to get better and stronger and he and he says that he points out that it's not about like that's that's part of what he thinks is a good thing wanting to get better at something Mm -hmm. it's but it's i guess it's the idea that if you're not going to be able to make it i don't know that's that's a good question and i found myself wondering exactly that like because he i i was thinking the same thing that maybe he's saying it's not good to want to be better what he's saying is it's that it's not good that so many of us think the only options are get really really good or don't do it at all that it's that it is okay to not be good at it and that in that struggle to get better not necessarily to make it your profession uh or even to make it your whole life um that there's in that struggle is is goodness and this is tied into another article he wrote which i'll mention really quickly just because it's worth mentioning um he wrote another one called the tyranny of convenience which spoke to me because he talks there a bit about how Things get more and more convenient, like cell phones. Uh, in the process, they become more addictive. And this actually goes back to that James Clear interview I mentioned at the beginning, where he talks about how like it's it's gotten so easy to check through check Twitter. Like if 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 to check Twitter or check email or check Facebook or whatever it is that you Doug tell me you check often, uh-huh. um, if that took like three minutes of time to do, you probably wouldn't do it. Like uh, and that was actually to one log of in and- yeah like if you had to dial up on the internet dial up connection right right? you'd probably only do it three times a day maybe maybe not even that sure but because it's so simple you start doing it so much and then the act itself becomes addictive because now it's so simple and you get this little you know rush of uh, endorphins or whatever it is and that keeps you addicted um so by the way one of his strategies doug was to store your cell phone in a different room not not carried around your house on a pocket but like put it upstairs or downstairs uh, so that you just don't have it on you. And he said that little barrier helped him to break some of that. But anyway. Do you know, so on that note, do you know what has helped me quite a bit? And it hasn't what? eliminated checking altogether, but has significantly reduced. What's that? Is just putting it not on the home screen. Like putting it two screens over on your iPhone. So you have to swipe over two times. Oh, like you have okay. to search for it. Instead right. of just like pulling right. it out and tapping it, uh-huh. you have to like actively like that. do some things. Like and that, that has you significantly could also, you helped. Could, can you do nested folders on your phone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could yeah, like, you nest could it, it like 10 levels better. deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, it, and, and also in the interview, they, they point out how it's interesting that we devise these systems to like get around these right. convenient activities. Right. Same with sleep. Like sleep was a great example. Like just all this, it's so hard because there's so many alerts and lights and beeps and things in your house that 
prevent you from sleeping now, uh, that there are all kinds of systems. People have like something that shuts their internet internet entirely off at 10 p.m. Uh, so they would have to wait minutes for it to get going again. <laughs> uh, and like we have all these ingenious things that prevent us from getting at these things that have us now addicted. Primal needs that we have. Yeah. So anyway, uh, he he. It spoke to me, of course, because I I delayed so long in getting a smartphone and I actually did for a little while and started to get addicted and then went away from it again. Finally, I'm back on it and I. I feel like I got it late enough that I sort of missed the whole wave because uh, now I can see people getting right. I wasn't in, in the initial pool, like the frog in the boiling water. I sort of, I'm now like a frog who gets tossed into boiling water and I can see what's happening and I get out immediately when I start feeling that. <laughs> I think I missed the missed the wave, which is good. Um, but anyway, he, he points out there that um, when things become so convenient, our lives kind of, it, it turns out that, uh, at least according to him, multitasking kind of becomes the skill to end all skills when things are when it's so easy to do any given task that you have to do and especially with technology and making you know uh mundane sort of tasks become no longer needed to be done by humans uh Mm -hmm. it's more about organizing and managing and just being in charge of a bunch of tasks happening uh and so what what so he says we we kind of arrange what we must be doing or what must be done instead of actually doing stuff and then he says the few places in our life where we keep on doing things he said that's what we call our hobbies where we where we make these inconvenient choices um he calls them encounters with meaningful resistance and says that this idea the idea of the hobby of intentionally doing something that isn't convenient and simple to do because it's against resistance um he said that's maybe what stands between us and total conformity and his conformity of course because not of course but conformity comes he says because all these all this convenience is sort of meant to individualized and like every facebook feed is really catered to you but in the end it makes everyone sort of seem the same by doing the same activity which is just checking facebook all the time <laughs> so um i don't know why i, I know the connection back to, to hobbies was that that hobbies were the inconvenient choices i don't know why exactly i brought it up <laughs> in our discussion mm-hmm. um but anyway the the point that i just thought was so interesting was that hobbies are when we when we make an effort to do something that is, oh, so you asked with the Muay Thai, right? You asked about what is that for me? Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is Muay Thai for you? <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if it's a legitimate hobby or not because I, maybe I said that at the beginning that I thought it was. But it has it has the nice external benefit of fitness. That's been a big motivator for me is it has me feeling really fit again uh, because it's really, really hard to do stuff and I'm sore and I get beat up. From you know, I get all bruised and ribs cracked or bruised, whatever they, whatever they are. <laughs> Sounds really healthy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but that's that's meaningful resistance. In fact, I think that's why I was why I wanted to talk about it. Yeah. It is hard to do. I am not good at it. I am really, really inflexible, which I did not realize at all. Because as a kid and a young adult, I was always had decent flexibility. It was never something I focused on with running. Uh, it was fine. It was not a problem. I wasn't insanely flexible. But I always felt like that was not my problem area. With this, I'm I can't. People can kick up to people's heads, and I can't nearly do that. I mean, I can't kick above someone's waist. So that's really hard, and I have to start stretching at home, which I just yeah. So have. so what's interesting? So that's what I was about to ask. Is like, so outside of the class, are you taking it home and trying to stretch and get better? Yeah, I'm doing all that. I'm I'm stretching at home. I have little drills I do at home. Uh, more than that, though. It has me like I find myself 
not having a drink at night some nights because I have a class the next morning and I don't want to just, I just want to feel a little bit better when I have a really hard thing the next morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does that. It has. I'm eating better. I'm eating more actually, which is, I don't know if you could say is good or bad, but it's at least something where I'm, it's not just in class. It's that it, it is important enough and meaningful enough to me that it is affecting food choices. Um, and so why is that though? I mean like, so, cause you want to get better at Muay Thai, right? Right. And that, but that's the big thing. I don't know. And this is where I get with a lot of hobbies. I talk myself out of it because I think what really is the point of this? Like mm-hmm. I want to get better at this or so I think until I think about why I want to get better and I can't come up with a good reason. I want to because it has the side effect of keeping me in shape, but a lot of things have that. And it's different. It's a different form of exercise, but that wouldn't be enough reason to be caring about it at home and, and right. thinking about right. it often. I mean, no one's, well, I don't know if nobody, but like if you're going to spin class or something like that, you know, chances are you're not doing extra right. activity. Yeah, or, right. You, right. You do that because it's, it's a way to do exercise. Uh, yeah, that, it's a really good question. I don't have any desire to get in fights with people. I don't want to... Right, If the point of it is to be able to defend yourself, I guess I want that. That's nice. But I don't think that gets me all excited because I don't actively look forward to being in fights. Yeah. Uh, I hope I don't get in any oh, fights. Man. What if you like you like start getting good at fighting and then you're the guy who starts picking fights at veg fests and stuff? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's quite possible. Is there not already that guy? There? John Joseph? He probably doesn't do that. But I think he was a... Isn't he a... No, no, he was a punk rocker type of guy. I don't know why I thought he was a fighter. Is he? Because of prejudices. <laughs> so I'm just kidding. Maybe. <laughs> I don't really know. No. Um, triathlete. What? He he got into triathlon. I just looked him up. He, he has done triathlons and things, and he was a lead singer. Uh, but no mention of him being a fighter. I don't know why I thought he was a fighter. Hmm. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. And and see, to me, because you're taking it outside of the class, it right. does feel more like a hobby than like, you know, just going to the gym. Yeah, you're totally right about that. Mm-hmm. And I guess I just, I guess I go because I enjoy it and it does yeah. feel good. Mm-hmm. And maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't think about it anymore. I, I think Tim Wu would say I probably should not think about it more than that. I probably right. should You just enjoy have fun with it this. and get into it. Get your tats and yeah. all that stuff and... <laughs> Right, of course. Um, so, all right. So, here's an, an interesting question. So, something that I was thinking about as I was reading this article is I was thinking about my hobbies. You know, like we talked about already, and I was like, it's like, how does this apply to me? Because um, everything's always about me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I started thinking you, before I moved here when I was living in DC, I would say that running was mostly my only quote hobby, and at that point I was trying to go semi-pro not like semi-pro runner but you know start coaching and mm-hmm. you know i was very competitive with myself and trying to be competitive at certain races and that kind of thing um and so you know it wasn't it it may have lost some of its hobbiness if that makes sense right um but other than that you know it was like i after work i went to happy hour and i you know did a lot of like hanging out and drinking and going to brunch and you know all these like different things and and they were different activities they certainly i wouldn't call them hobbies but they they kind of filled the space of a hobby mm-hmm. and i'm wondering if those are bad or give you anything less if if the whole point of a hobby <coughs> excuse me is enjoyment 
and those give me joy like is that bad yeah i think that's a good question no i don't i don't think necessarily because (coughs) the that's right um he does make a point in the article to um let's see sorry i just blanked on the exact words i was going to use um it's not about it's not only about getting better right like there's this whole flow thing and expanding your your um whatever your your not your ego but your yourself right expansion of what encompasses what you encompass and growing and i i think he points out that a hobby doesn't have to and maybe shouldn't be necessarily about growth i mean that's kind of the goal is to is to struggle against this resistance of some form uh the aim is to grow but even if you're not as long as you're enjoying it uh that's fine so i i don't know i don't know like in in that flow book which i mentioned a few times he does distinguish between um the idea of doing something that you enjoy or 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 doing something that is pleasurable versus something um that is kind of i guess i guess more character expanding i wish i could remember the word for it but um Th- that involves resistance that involves a little bit of a struggle right and it's not as it's not pure pleasure in the moment but but it it adds to you 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 create something more and you grow in some way when you do it um yeah and so i don't know hour doesn't have any resistance it's just right pleasure. it doesn't have that right it is just that it is a pleasure activity and and in that way i think it is different and i think some people including the guy who wrote the flow book i don't know about tim Wu, but would say that it is inferior in that way uh and not not to say that there is no place for that, but that if but if that is if you spend a hundred percent of your free time on pleasurable activities, pure pleasurable activities, that you might benefit and probably be happier in the long run by shifting some of that time to activities that you know you could argue more are hobbies that have some resistance in them uh, that force you to to grow in some way. So I think that would be the answer, but it, you know that doesn't mean they're bad. It's just that it's just that they are. I guess I mean potentially destructive, right? Like if if that was all you did all the time was go to happy hours, then that's not good. The same thing though with hobbies, though. I can't. That's not a good point because if all I did was Muay Thai, that would not be good either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, no, I don't think it's bad, but I do think I don't know. Like, couldn't you? Can't you sort of stand back now in this new situation and say, knowing what I know now, if I had invested a little bit more time in a hobby back then and i still did some of the happy hours but i did fewer of that not just happy hours but hanging out with friends whatever but and i did fewer of a little bit less of that because i also was learning spanish or playing chess or something that's kind of hard to do in the moment but you know feels good for different reasons and in the future yeah um i don't know would you say that that would that maybe that maybe doug would have been a little bit happier yeah, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to say because you know I don't know if I could look back and say that I would be happier or I would have been happier, but there are certainly things that would have been probably more fulfilling, right? I mean, learning a new language or <clears throat> I don't know, uh, even even you know certainly playing in the band, you know, start having a band in DC, I, you know, I love it, it's so super fulfilling and super you know a huge source of of joy for me now. If I had done that back then, I'm sure I would have gotten just as much joy. But, you know, I lived in a tiny apartment. I didn't have access to a drum kit. You know, I didn't, you know, it's it's like just 
it's it's hard to say it's hard to say but you know but but i think but i do think that um you know if i had something that was more yeah, see this is I think, more productive of an activity but like hobbies aren't necessarily meant to be productive right <laughs> yeah that's right they're not meant to be productive i think i think the the meaningful resistance idea is a good one um important because in in some way even if nothing is produced from it i think you could argue that uh your character is somehow strengthened from doing that and that's actually this the flow book i've mentioned all the time i keep calling it the flow book it is called flow um i had never heard of, i mean the, the concept of flow people know about that it's this idea of being in like the genius state where time slows down or speeds up and and it just all, all distractions don't bother you a bit they don't distract you a bit you're just in the zone doing your thing athletes talk about it all the time um but I found it to be a really good book. Um, it's it's by Mihaly Zikshentimihaly. He has he has his first name at the end of his last name as well, which is weird. So I don't know what what where that is from. But uh, I found the book to be really good. I would recommend it if anyone's weird to you. These... Probably not weird for him. No, but weird weird is all about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, he might admit that it's weird, unless maybe in that culture that's what they do. They put first names at the yeah. end again on your last names. Or your first Good. name is derived from the end of your life. <laughs> Maybe. It seems sort of like a waste to me. Why don't we just go by our last name and then know that... All right. Anyway. Oh, anyway. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, but anyway, I found it really good. And and a huge theme in that book is this distinction between the activities that are fun and pleasurable in the short term um, and the ones that expand yourself in some way. And I wish I... Like I said, wish I could remember the name... Um, but it it's interesting like that and that then ties into the the happiness question and what's the purpose of life and we measure happiness are we measuring just pleasure in the moment it turns out most people don't just measure that anymore now they measure this fulfillment piece of it and go check out our interview with Dan Butner who wrote the blue zones of happiness that is uh i don't know about a year ago maybe but all those topics i find really interesting and this this book called flow was was a very good read for me hmm. So, um, the last thing I have to say here, Doug, is I think one thing that came up with reading this article for me was the idea of work-life balance. And I have struggled with that and wondered about that for a long time. Um, I felt like I got a pretty good handle on it in the in the early days of Nomad Athlete. It took me a while. I wasn't good at first with it. Uh, but then I got to the point where you know, I got better and I got better at separating that from the rest of my life and kind of being able to turn my brain off and not just think about it all the time. Um, but I, I found myself wondering all along the way, like, is it good or not good when your work essentially becomes your normal life, uh, but you have some way of deriving income from it? So your hobby, I can... You mean? Or your work. Sorry. Yes. I, yeah, I guess I mean the things that you do in your life, you find a way of deriving income from them. Right. And, you know, as technology improves, increases, what's the word? Technology improves. Um, you know, I think, I think hopefully, not necessarily, but an opt optimistic view would be that we are headed for much more luxury in the future if we can avoid some gigantic problems that are on the horizon as well. Um Peter Diamandis has that book about this idea about how just although we have some gigantic problems, the 
rate at which technology is succeeding, if it doesn't become its own problem, which it will, but if we can avoid the problems that come from technology itself increasing, um, improving, then it will just swamp all the other issues. It will be so great that we can solve pretty much anything that right now seems like a big problem. That's that's his thesis. Um, but on, you know, so thinking optimistically like that, and as someone who turned a hobby, uh, a passion into, you know, now a job, um, I can envision, it's, it's sort of idealistic perhaps, but I can envision a, a world 100 years from now where people kind of just live their life and they do interesting things and they sell, they derive income from those interesting things by talking about them on social media or whatever. I hope social media is not here in 100 years, but who knows. Uh, <laughs> so where, where you kind of are paid to exist, and I think there's a site called that actually. Um, yeah, where you where you, you do your thing and you make money from it because the channels are in place for that to happen. Who knows? That that's probably a crazy idea. But let's say that did happen. I don't I don't I don't know if that'd be good. I used to think that was the that was perfect. That was what you would want would be to be able to do your normal life and you just earn money from it and then you don't have to work. You get paid for doing things that you enjoy. Um, but I think that can destroy the enjoyment factor, and that's what Tim Wu was arguing in this argument, er, arguing in this article, that we lose something when we lose something that we are pursuing, when we stop pursuing something just for the joy of it, and it's either it's going all the way to being your profession or close to your profession, uh, or it's not happening at all, and we lose this idea of just having this thing that we do because it's fun, and. I don't know. I'm not sure where I stand on that. I don't know if it's if it's really good to just blend work and life together so that you never know which one you're really doing because you're kind of always doing both. Um, or if it's better to to go work hard for however many hours it require, you, you're required to work and then have a really good time outside of that that is totally unrelated to work, totally unrelated to achievement for many people perhaps. Uh, and you just you just enjoy yourself when you don't have to be at work. So I don't know which is better. Um, I think Doug. I mean, you've done some of the some of the blending, right? With with being a runner and that being your passion, and then starting to have make income from that. Sure. Um. So I don't know. Do you think did that ever kind of degrade the running for you? Devalue the running? Well, it certainly changed it. It certainly put more pressure on it, and you know, <clears throat> um. It certainly made it to where I felt pressured to be writing articles, you know, about and thinking about running, maybe when I didn't want to be thinking about running. Um, mm -hmm. Or, you know, I mean, I, you know, I love coaching and I love working with people. Um, but there are, you know, certain times when I don't really feel like writing a training plan and I have to do that. Um, and but that's like that's work, you know, like everybody has that with any job you have. Um, and so I think that what I've had to do is learn how to separate the work stuff out from the fun stuff and and then celebrate the fact that they kind of blend together a lot of the time, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. But Yeah, I think the separation is, is the crucial part there, right? Because if, if having to write a training plan for someone when you didn't want to made you then not want to go on your run later that day mm -hmm. because you think, I'm sick of running, I just spent time thinking about running when I didn't want to, right? then that, that, would, be the, that would be the loss of a hobby. Yeah, if that happened a lot, right? But I definitely think I definitely think that there's a slippery slope where you just you try so hard to get better 
and um, you know, and to you become obsessed with it in the business sense as well, and then and then it's just no longer fun at all anymore. And and I think with running, at least with my running, where I'm not getting paid to run, right? I'm getting paid paid to exist <laughs> to exist no but you know like like i get paid to write training plans i get paid to do things that are related to running you know yes different right. partnerships or whatever but you know but the running the race isn't making me money really and mm-hmm. the training isn't isn't really making me money it is unless, unless you're it, an ultra ambassador for it <laughs> you wear your ultra gear or your that's right. gear. that's right you know but but i mean it's it's uh it you know the training and the racing is necessary for the other one to exist in in, in a way Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. but but yep. you know you're not I'm not, not making money by getting faster, by hitting a PR. Right. Um, but you know if if like if crafting or you know I don't know if if um, vintage shopping, vintage clothes shopping, like going to Goodwill and finding cool outfits and things like that is like your hobby, you know something that you're really into, and then you get good at it and you start selling it and building a business around that, then because because of the thing that actually gave you the joy at the beginning mm-hmm. is directly related to the making money, right. then I think it's harder to separate that out. Right. Like if you started selling your wood tables. Right. Yeah. Then the whole point of making the wood table would be to sell it. Right. Whereas, right. you know, with running, it's because I like running, but then it also kind of allows me to be a coach and this other stuff. Yeah. Right. Yep. I think that is all correct. And, uh, does not give us an answer as to as to whether it's better to blend work and life or keep them totally no, separate. No, it doesn't. It doesn't at but, all. But what would, right? I mean, it's, there's no answer to that. We don't know what's better. I mean, it's, depends cer- on you know, it's certainly, it's it, like, um, I was listening to this podcast. Who wrote the girl the, the book Girl Boss? Um, uh, I remember that book. I remember that book. Um, uh, Sophia, Sophia Amoroso. Yeah. Amoroso. And she, she had the <laughs> Nasty Girl was her company, and that's what made me think of the vintage clothing thing. Mm. Um, and that's what she did. I was listening to this episode with her, and you know, they, she turned this like little hobby and selling clothing on eBay to into like, yeah, I don't know, a multi million dollar company, a huge company. Mm-hmm. And then she was no longer doing any of the buying of the clothes and you know designing of the clothes and all that stuff and it was all she was doing was managing a team of 100 people or or whatever and she grew to hate it and she you know all she could think about is the money and the investors and all this stuff and she grew to hate it and then ultimately the company imploded Mm. um and you know I, i was i was listening to that and thinking about that and how how quickly a hobby can become something that is no longer at all what what drew to drew it drew you to it in the first place. Yep. Um, and you do have to be careful about that. But at the same time, like if, if you are able to monetize your hobby, like that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a good point. Because as much as, yeah, as, as much as it would suck to lose your hobby because it turned into your job, you you still have a pretty good job then, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, exactly, pretty yeah. enjoyable job that you get to do something that you used to consider a hobby. Um, that's that's better than a whole lot of people's jobs in the world. <laughs> right. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Good point. So, yes. Um, all right. Well, I don't know. I, I think there's really, there's no, there's no conclusion to be made here, I don't think. But uh, well, check out the right, article. So one, one last thing. <laughs> yes. Um, go ahead. 
is that that I had written down is you know I wonder if if part of the reason why people have lost those hobbies is because you know their crafting can now become something they sell on on Etsy and because you know the the whole like hustle right hustle and what do you, what do people call it the hustling I don't know yeah but you know like uh, if if like all in your free time you feel like you need to make more money and you start driving an Uber like certainly driving probably isn't your hobby. But you feel like you have to be hustling all the time, and and do yep. everything you do should be making you money or or putting you in the direction towards success. Mm-hmm. And then you and I suffer from that for sure. Yeah, that's been something that that that, that that that's the root of my problems with hobbies. Is it's always like, well, okay, but what's this? How's this ultimately going to, you know, pay off in some way? Hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that that I think that that is legitimately a problem. I don't know that. that mm-hmm people are lacking in, in hobbies and that's that's a problem but i think that the this whole hustle environment that we've created where people have to be always be thinking about progress um yep. is is a problem yes it is and and if that's true then it is a very very deep rooted problem <laughs> because it's i think our whole worse. culture is <laughs> about that yeah so it's yeah that's that's a hard thing to change right that's what that's what western especially american culture is mm-hmm so so much about yeah so that is a that's a and and you could argue that that's at the root of a lot of problems we have yeah so i think we all need to take more time and have more hobbies drink more tea <laughs> do live live more like the who, who's a good example of this people europeans i think see europeans live like americans now i think in so many ways <laughs> i think we've influenced them the wrong way costa ricans Puerto Vida. yes somebody who takes siestas yeah we need to be like those them yeah <laughs> all right all right good good enough doug i hope you feel better hope Thanks. you enjoyed that cough drop there i started to notice it at the end but oh yeah sorry about too... that guys well it was yeah but it was sick what are you gonna do yeah i hope you feel better soon an episode out that's right but better late than never mm-hmm. better uh better with doug being a little congested and having a having a cough drop than not at all <laughs> 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 all right doug get some rest Thanks. Uh, Thanks, everybody, and we will see you next week. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, everyone.